Who put their hand up when asked, who wants to be a footballer? I'm Johnny McPhee. This is Play, Train, Grow. Let's find out what happened after you put your hand up. Hello and welcome to Play, Train, Grow, a podcast that's going to ask, what is life really like chasing the dream of becoming a professional footballer? In this episode, I'm delighted to talk to Ryan Ingalls, about his own personal journey through academy football up to first team. The aim of this is to explore the reality of academy football and onwards. Ryan, how are you, buddy? Not bad, Johnny, yourself? Yeah, man. Excited, nervous. It's uh, new to me, this sort of thing. So that's why I've uh, relied on some friends to to dig me out here, help me out. So... uh, We'll just get started with, um, you know, what, what was your journey through academy football, sort of up to the first team, and and how did it go? Um, I started off at Falkirk Academy. I'd played um, through the community in that um, for three hours, four or five, but professionally started with Falkirk, maybe 11, 12, 13. I was there for four years, maybe. It was good. Had a lot of good experiences, played under a lot of decent coaches, but obviously at that time it was just learning the game and learning the ins and outs yeah, and had never really been in it before that, so that was a first kind of taste. Um, so there, they kind of went into a Force Valley rather than Falkirk, so they came together with Stenis Muir um, as a combined sort of thing through the the schools through Graham High and stuff um, and if you weren't in one of them you weren't really getting taken on so I wasn't so I got told I wasn't going to get taken on um, any further so I left Falkirk and went on to play with Dundee United where I met yourself a couple of years after Lucky guy um, yeah, oh, Really, really lucky um, So I was there I signed there I was there for four years played again under loads of different coaches and that was probably where you started to find out the the properly professional side of it because laterally you, you went and played with 20s you went and played with the reserves and all the rest and you got a sort of taste of what professional football was like um, and that was good I enjoyed most of it obviously a few things I didn't like was the setup and the differences in training as we've spoke about and you can yourself being a part of it um, but yeah, overall, point, it was probably... F- so at that point, you we had a, a split academy, didn't we? So we, we had a central group Aye. and then a Dundee group that, that, that ran out of Dundee and then you only came together at weekends at that point. Just like it was a case of no training together and you didn't really get to, like as they say, building partnerships with the rest of your team and learning each other's game and that kind of thing and getting the coaches' feedback. During training is a massive, massive thing, I felt. Um, and not to have that other than going together on a Saturday morning, picking a team and getting thrown out to play. I, personally, I didn't like it, but it is what it was. I think that the group latterly, like yourself and Tony, and the year after that, um, I think if we had trained together, that would have been a proper, proper group because we had a lot of really good players. And there's, I don't know, five, six players went on, seven maybe for that group that's actually went on to play first team football which showed you how good we should probably should have been if it came together 
um, and matched up the likes of Celtic and Rangers who were just miles ahead of everybody else. Um, but I, I don't know what your thoughts on that are. But. No, I, like, I know we've chatted previously about it. It, it was always a difficult scenario because it was uh, trying to get synergy on a match day was, was really difficult. So in the fact you're saying that six or seven made it as a it's a bit of a testament to how hard everybody worked in that age group, that's for sure. But it, it was match days, it was definitely difficult, especially when it first started. I think after a, a bit of time passed, you, with the split groups, which there's you know very few of them now in the country. So it was a, a unique situation, that's for sure. Um, so where did you go from, from Dungeon United? So you were saying that lasted to like, what, 16, 17? So. Uh, it was around about that time, but then there was just a few things happened um, within the club. Obviously, you know, um, from between me and another another player or two, and just for their decide it was probably best to leave Dundee United and move on to someone else. And at that time, um, Fife Elite had kind of came together and made a made a group which looked good. As I said to you before, this the setup there was totally different uh, and it, it looked as if it would be a good setup to go and try and progress into a professional first team environment with three different clubs involved in it um, training together and, and sort of progressing and within Fife Elite you were playing with Fife you were training with Fife and then you were getting the chance to go and play with the three clubs which were Wraith Cowan Beast and Dunfermline so you were able to go in one day with Wraith one day with Dunfermline and one night with Cowan Beef and playing games with them all. And that gave you three chances effectively to go and impress their first team managers, their 20 manager to get a contract. Um, that that was pretty good. I thought I quite liked it. Um, just, again, things never really worked out for there. Uh, I was bad for injuries. I used to get called chocolate, as you can because I had chocolate legs. Fortunate. Um, which didn't really help. Uh, different things happening all the time. Um, and that was probably a big part where I didn't get offered anything there. Um, but as I said, the same again for there, those players that was now into the Ray first team, the Kelby first team, and the Femme first team are playing, so that was quite a good set I don't yeah, know if you know much about that. Yeah, well, you were obviously you came in as well, and yeah, I came in too, and um, it certainly produced a, a number of players up to that level. Um, East Fife got involved as well, so they've got some players uh, in the first team and, and their reserve team as well. So it's so through all that time and what 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 made it fun? You know, what made it enjoyable? What are the really positive memories that come from that time? I just love playing. That's probably the main thing, like being involved in the Saturdays and the Sundays playing was, the, as I've always said, is the best times. Um, and if you're in a good sort of group of, group of boys, you like it, it was a just it was just fun. It was a laugh and serious when it needed to be, but it was kind of broken up. And having good coaches made a massive difference. I'd been through and had some not so good coaches, but there was some really good coaches and yourself being one of them, um, you just make you feel comfortable within a group and all the rest of it. So playing under good coaches made a difference and um, good groups made a difference and just playing because it was hard at that sort of age group 
to play every game unless you were like that much better because it was made about game time and splitting up game time. So when you did play and you played all the time, it was fun and enjoyable and scoring and all the rest of it that comes with it, which I enjoyed. That's that's an interesting point. So that as you play up through the age groups, you play three thirties, then you move to the forty-five minutes. So how does that affect you? Can I can I touch on that for a wee bit? So how is it, you know, playing thirty coming off or playing forty-five or playing an hour or so how, how does it how does it go and how did you feel it, it went? I hated the three thirties personally. Because if you played the first thirty, you were either getting took off the second thirty and coming back on for the last thirty, or playing the sixty and then getting took off for the last thirty. And for me to go play the thirty, come off and then go back on. You're cool down. You're now looking into the coaching side of things and like the way the body works. It's just like shouting out for like injuries, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, because you're coming off, you're cooling yourself down, and you're expected to go back on full pelt. I didn't like it. Some people did, um, and for then to change into forty-five and forty-five, you went in and felt like you were actually playing a proper game and not just a kick about really. Because that's what I felt. Thirty, thirty, thirty was. So you found it was hard to, so you personally, you would kind of get into the game, get going, and then coming out, sort of switched you off. Is that the sort of feeling I'm getting here? Aye, and then just needed to go and start again in the last set if you, if you were put back on, which you were because mostly every player were told you'll play 60, which was no use because I wanted to play 90. <laughs> I think everyone does, doesn't it? Everyone has that desire to play the 90 minutes. You know what I mean? Each groups, there's the... There is physiological factors to it and there's reasoning for it and that players are needed to get rest. It's about rotation and uh, it's evolved since then. So even the, the play format in today is different. So if you were coming in at 13s now, you play nine aside and five aside. So even the format's changed since then. But no, it, it's an interesting thought on it. If, if anybody out there is listening and sort of finds a struggle, there's you know another example of, of how the game time can affect you. But what I'd love to talk about is what the, the best you feels like. So if you can think back to the best games you played at any age, what did it feel like when you were on the pitch? And you could put it into like different things, so you like position on the pitch. So how the most I felt comfortable playing was wide left or the ten. So through the academies we played a lot 4-3-3 with Dundee United and I love being wide left and I love being the attack midfielder. Just being able to, wide left, you can get on the ball, you can got a bit of freedom to go and express and you get the full cut inside and you get a lot of opportunity to take shots. Um, and that's probably when I feel most comfortable and most I enjoyed it was playing wide left, to be honest. I like playing through the middle, but... I'm not the tallest, I'm not the biggest, and you were playing against centre-halves that were six feet two and would just blow you effectively. If But wide left, you could, you were, I was mostly quicker. So you were able to get at them and, and take them on that way, trying try and get your body in and protect the ball. So that's probably when I felt best was playing wide left um, and being able to cut in or go down the line was probably where I felt most comfortable. Cool, so... You're getting to cut in, you're getting to get shots off. Um, is that, do you like to do that quickly or are you patient? Are you able to kind of wait or do you feel like to get into a game, you maybe need the ball early, you need a wee 1v1? How do you feel you, you got into a game? 
I felt I needed it early. The f- and and to, the first opportunity I had was to get the fullback. If I can get the fullback early, you kind of then put it in his head. He's going to be at me every time he gets a chance. And then you're effectively already winning then against you, the boy you're playing against because he's already got you in his head. Oh, I better watch. I'm maybe going to take a few a few yards back, give him a bit of room and then press him rather than him being tight on you all the time. So then if he does that, you're then getting the space to do what you want to do and run at him. So I think, get, for me, I wanted it early. If I didn't get it early and it just kind of slowly crept into the game, it, it wasn't any good for me. So let, let me flip that just to play the play the devil's advocate for a wee bit. What would happen if you got into that 1v1 and you lost it? What would you do then if if the fullback takes it away so you need you need the ball early. You want to get at your fullback. So how do you react if you lose the one v one? What what would you what would you work through? Would you jump in a wee ten yard sprint for a press? Would you be patient and wait for your next option? What would you do? Well, me personally, I wasn't very good at the working back the way, <laughs> so I wouldn't be one for. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be one for uh, chasing back. It'd be more a. a Shrug and a and a moaning, uh, a shout if you're a coach off the side of the pitch. Uh, but then I would get it next time and I would try it again. It would, but it would be the next time and no try to win it back and do it again. That was probably my biggest problem, as when I played was they were going the other way. More so when I was younger, I thought. Um, later on, I kind of, I was had no option but to work on it a bit. Um, but earlier on, I wasn't very good at it. I wouldn't really like to go back the way. I love it. So um, and you know that yourself. Hey, I'll, I'll I'll leave that one free, pal. It was always up to you whether or not you wanted to work. That was that was what I'd realised really early on. I found that if I could get you motivated and get you on side, you'd run through a brick wall. So that's what I always. always I, I, that was the the what, what I mean about coaches like you and Tony. You understood what I what, what how I played and what was to get the best out of me but there was other coaches that didn't really understand that and that's probably why I thought I played best under you and Tony. Yeah, we'll give a little shout out here to, to Tony McMinn who's currently the assistant manager at East Fife. He'll probably crop up in a number of these podcasts because his name has been mentioned a few times. So it's a really good point and I, I think that as we've got a little bit forward in time, I think if I go back, say, five, six, seven years when you're in your early days, the, the idea of psychological safety wasn't that uh, prevalent. And, and it's something I work on personally quite a lot is making sure I get to know the players, I get to know their background, their families. I work really hard on trying to figure out how they learn. So whether they're a visual learner, whether they want to hear it, whether they want the ball to go do it, whether they want to watch somebody. So what would your advice be to somebody that's um, maybe a bit quiet and unsure about um, the relationship with a coach? How would you advise them to go about moving forward and communicating? Just talking. Because I think a coach's job is to not just coach, but to mentor and talk to and through what I'm doing, I know you, I've learned this, that communication is like bigger than the coaching itself. Uh, and if you can communicate with, with a player and, and make them feel comfortable, then you're, the difference in the the way they play is night and day. Um, and as I said, that's affected me. But if MD just didn't really 
having got the confidence, go and speak to a coach and 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 because any coach should be open enough to to let you speak to them. And if they're not, then they shouldn't be coaching. Personally, no, I like that. That's a good approach. You're at you're at college at the moment doing sports coaching. So so because we're we're talking about it at the moment, what would you what would you say to to the youngsters about what your day-to-day looked like coming through the academy? So maybe at 13, 14, what did your day-to-day, week-to-week look like? Was it, you know, school in the morning, how many times you're training at night, how many games, what did it look like? It was school Monday to Friday and it was training Monday, Wednesday, game Saturday or training Tuesday, Thursday, game, game Sunday. Games, it was mostly Sunday games, um, and it was just looking after yourself, really. I played a lot of school games as well, and that that so that I was playing two games a week and training two or three times a week. I had PE, so I was very very active um, when I was at school. I think it's important just to, to watch. I was just mad football, so I, I never really cared about anything. I just played and trained and done whatever was football oriented, I'd done it no matter how much I'd done or how much I hadn't done. Um but that's probably was one of the reasons why I was so injured because I just played. That's and a, never stopped playing. That's really interesting. So do you think that now you're at college and learning about the body and that do you, do you look back differently on that time now? Oh I shouldn't have played near enough as much as I, I did. So I, some weeks I played three times. Sorry, say that again. Well, what's your thoughts and what would your advice be then to anybody who's on the pathway or a, a parent or, or anyone looking at Focus on the most important thing. If you're in an academy, that's your focus. And, and like school football, that's just a side note. Like I, I was playing uh, school football, I was playing regional football and I was playing academy football. And I was playing three games a week sometimes. And that's just... It's impossible, along with training twice a week or three times a week. So if you're in that scenario, which most kids are because they have school teams, they have other teams to play with and are in club football, focus on what's most important. If you're not really bored about making it to any sort of level, then play them all because it's important to play as much as you want. But if you're... Focus is to maybe get to that next level, then focus on the academy and the club because that's what's going to get you somewhere. Um, and just minding yourself because when you're younger, you don't really think you're going to get injured. You don't really think about anything like that. But it happens. And it'll happen when you don't think it's going to happen. Because you think, oh, I've played so many games, I've trained so much, I'm fit as, fit as I can be, I'm not going to get injured. But it can sometimes go to the opposite side. So let's talk about injuries then because we've moved on to that. So you've said yourself as you got older. So is this after your maturation? Is this once you've had your growth spurt and you're starting to put muscle on? Is is the body starting to feel it at this point? You could just feel like wee tiny things happening. Like I had problems with my ankles. I would roll, roll my ankles a lot. And, um, and that was just for me maybe no protect myself enough um, other things just being really fatigued after after a game not being able to get up to a level I wanted to during the academy games because I had played a game during the week and trained twice um, maybe not being able to do that extra 10 yard sprint 
that I wanted today, if I was maybe taking on a defender or trying to track back or whatever, just maybe you know, get to that extra 10 yards or just get to the opponent to press them or whatever, you could you could feel it or I could feel it. So would you say that, that, that the mental side of it, where you're walking in and you're playing and you're telling yourself, I can't do it, do you think that also maybe added to your, your problems as well? Because mentally you're not in a, a positive frame. Aye, because you're just annoyed with yourself all the time. You're getting frustrated because you can't do that wee bit extra. So you're trying to do as much as possible, but when it comes to the important bits, you can't do it, and that's just making even frustrated. It's interesting. So at any point, did you you come across any ways of trying to maybe manage that on the pitch? Any any sort of coping strategies or anything that you would use to try and maybe ignore that and move back into a better frame of mind? At that age, I never really thought anything of it. So there was nothing I really done. Like The mental side didn't really exist back then as much as it does now for young players. Like you just played and, and that was it. There wasn't really a mental side. There wasn't really any thoughts on, any deeper thoughts on that kind of thing like there is now, um, which is important now. But there wasn't really anything like that when I played. So it was just playing that was it and if you didn't do what you were meant to do you'd get in jet for it so what would um what would you give them what would you give as advice or looking on your own journey your own personal pathway so you're talking about you know maybe overplaying and overtraining not resting enough uh, you probably got the nutrition side you're not too sure about but, but i'm a i'm a big believer that the mindset and the brain is what what dictates your performance and then from that the body can up. So what would you say to anybody listening about, about that mental side now that you've gone through the pathway and not reached the, what you've you've aimed at reaching at the start, what, what advice would you give in the mental side of it? Be careful on it because you maybe don't think it's there but talking to somebody about it if you maybe see or feel something that's, that's maybe different for your normal talking to about being fatigued etc like you when I as I said like you never really thought about it any further than just fatigue but there obviously was that mental side there so just speaking to somebody about it and maybe learning about it a bit more reading up on it a bit more um, is important in, in this day and age I think or what I would do yeah. I think you're right it's definitely now you know more more at the forefront. I can go back, you know, five, six years and remember talking about, you know, the growth mindset and grit, you know, the deliberate practice framework in terms of you know, mental representations and transferring them onto the pitch. And it's certainly an area that's that's come along leaps and bounds. And it's for me personally, I, I don't know what you use, but I, if you're talking of the four pillars of football, your technical, your tactical, your physical, and your psychological skills. I think the psychological part is slightly ahead of the other three. Not by much, but I mm. think it should have a little bit more weight than what it gets. I probably agree with that. Yeah. At least at least we're agreeing with that one, eh? More so more so <laughs> more so now than ever. There's a lot more pressure, and that's maybe part of it's part of something we'll maybe explore in the future about how how we've changed towards social media and I know me and you are the same and that we we just pretty much ignore it and we it doesn't really reference us but it's certainly it's certainly starting to 
to come to the forefront and it's certainly something we need to look into and there's loads of resources out there to to get help that's for sure uh, i agree so seeing as we're talking about mindset and mentality what, what you've talked a couple of things that have frustrated you about um relationships lack of communication uh, is there anything else that maybe frustrated you or anything that really excited you that was really positive on the flip side that you'd, you'd like to share with anyone uh, that's listening in? In regards to? Just anything, really, just at any age group, because, I mean, you've gone all the way through, so you could talk about um, maybe what frustrated you at 13 and 14, and then what that was like at 17 and 18. Like, younger, it was just a case of playing. Like, there wasn't really... I'm quite a laid-back kind of guy, like, and I always have been. So there's nothing really that's ever seriously bothered me as such until I got a bit older and realised what was happening. Younger, it was just play. Like That was it. That was all you knew and all you got told was just play and go and enjoy yourself and go and do what you want and make sure you do things properly. So that's what I would say to anybody. And it's probably the right thing you're, that you're doing. And especially as you got older, it's more so like, how do you put it? It's not so much about fun, but it's about mm-hmm. performance more. But I think taking that fun through is massive and important mm-hmm. because if you've done it, then you're just, you'll end up hating it. And that's what happened. I, had to, I ended up doing that. I ended up disliking it because it got away from that fun side and was more about performance and do this, do that, do this, do that, rather than express yourself to have fun and do what you want. So taking that fun side is massive. Like I can't stress it enough. That's the biggest part. And if I ever do come to a stage of coaching, it will be that only, especially with younger kids. But even if they take in older, like guys like myself, like teens, early 20s, to have fun and not put any pressure on is huge. It's and diff- that's what got me excited. Yeah, it's difficult. You know, you think about the pathway of, of football and you're being asked to make decisions at 15 and 16 and 17 when everyone in your peer group at school is just going about doing whatever they want. But there's loads of... <laughs> exactly loads of pressure comes out and how did you manage or deal with that um, sort of time when you're trying to get a contract and everyone around you is just out having fun as I've said my personality is really laid back so um, the whatever anybody else was doing it didn't really bother me in that sense because is is I, I know it would to a lot of people and a lot of guys and young kids, teenagers, but it didn't really bother me. I was only focused on one thing, and it was to make to make it as a football player, and that because that's what excited me. That's what I enjoyed. That's what I loved. So in and M Delsh's day, my pals and you still met up your pals, and you still went and stayed at their houses and whatever, and played FIFA and all that, ate junk food and all the rest of the nonsense that you did. But you just make sure it doesn't get too much. And you just you make sure there's a balance between them both. So for me, that that didn't that side of things didn't really bother me. But I know it really affects some people that there's too much pressure and stress on the football side and the 
the other parts of your life never really got bothered about. But for me, that never really bothered me, to be honest. I was focused on football and that was it, and anything else was just second to it. It's a great, it's a great way of looking at it. I'm hearing what what I'm hearing is just a, a tunnel vision, just a, a sole focus on where you want to go, but still. Oh, that was me. Still engaging in life out with it, so that you're right. not. It's not a hundred percent, and nothing gets in. But right. Everything you do is focused on where you want to be. That was me, probably for ninety percent of when I played, until it got for the stage of fun and enjoyment to the stage of like things things happening at, at that age it shouldn't be happening and then that's sort of when it changed and it was um a kind of 50 50 football and fun out with football was kind of split more so evenly rather than just being football and then that that was probably when i started to enjoy it a bit less was and then that was probably the reason that that happened if you know what i mean yeah, yeah, it's great. Thank you very much for for sharing that. It, you know, it's it's really interesting to to get such a, a detailed picture of how you felt and how it changed as you got older. And what I'm sort of getting from you is is the older you got and the more uh, focused on the contract, the more the fun dropped from it. And you think it's important Aye. to try and maintain that element of fun. Aye. And there was other things that were happening as well that you know, like especially at a certain club uh, that happened that shouldn't have been happening. Um, and that was part of the reason. So it can be stuff like out with your controller that can happen as well. Um, so it's not always like the player itself and how they feel and how they're playing, but it's things that can happen out with their control that has a massive impact. And that's what I felt. Yeah, I mean, less than less than one percent that start the journey make it, which is such a. It scares me that number that it's so few, and there's so many things that that can affect it. You're and and you know raising the uncontrollables is a massive part of it. You know, there's there's no loyalty. Yeah. Well, football is cutthroat, and you know at any level you can That's see bad in that sense. Yeah. You see it in the first team where if in anyone in any country, if a manager falls out with a player, the player doesn't get back in again. Huh? So well, look at Jose Mourinho and Bale and Dele, Dele Alley. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Dele Alley played every minute under Pochettino and Mourinho comes in and he's hardly had a snap. Yeah, and it happens all the way through. Yeah, I think we'll we'll go for for one more one more question before we, we finish up and and you've been fantastic in your advice you've been offering. So if you were to talk to a 12 or a 13-year-old who's in the pathway, you've talked about it being fun, you've talked about loving it, you've talked about um, making sure you rest a little bit and you, you load your management, what advice would you give to someone who's, who's thinking about maybe joining an academy but isn't too sure, you know, maybe a wee bit weary of jumping into the, the sort of pond and becoming a and regular sized fish opposed to the big fish outside it. Yeah, hundred percent. So you maybe only get one chance. Oh, just do it, hundred percent. Because you only get you maybe only get one chance. And I enjoyed playing community football, but you only get the one chance to go into a professional outfit. And you could 
improve ten, tenfold and make it, or you stay at you be comfortable and you stay at the community team, and you're the best player every week, scoring tw- thirty goals a season, whatever. But you're not going to get in and out. You end up staying there, being at having like a normal-ish or whatever you want to say job, instead of going and trying and making a living out it for with that one opportunity. So just do it. I would never stop MD if you're going to make that, no matter the pros or the cons, because it can be different for everybody. No, I love it, Ryan. Look, I appreciate you joining me. I know we're going to have another uh, chat that will be part two of this with yourself and someone else. So I'm really, really excited and looking forward to that. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. That's it for another episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. You can get me on Twitter at PlayTrainGrow. You can email PlayTrainGrow at gmail.com. This is a new thing for me and for those involved. I'd love some feedback. If there's any other areas you'd like covered, any other topics you'd like to discuss, just let me know. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.